hosting today. And I am drinking a Rowley Farmhouse Ale, which is from Santa Fe, New Mexico. And I've got to say, I'm a little sad. I'm running low on my New Mexico stash. Don't worry. Just come over here. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, I'm having a Petite Blanche. It's a really yummy blueberry farmhouse ale, and I'm enjoying it. It recently. is very yummy. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad everybody wanted to taste it. What's everybody's yeah. on deck? Lisa, what do you have? So I'm Lisa, and I am drinking a Big Dogs Brewing Company Dank Dog IPA. Shout out to Alyssa. Thanks. Yes, thank you to our friend Alyssa, who brought it back to us from her recent travels. I haven't even tasted it yet, so. Dank Dog. Ooh, it's good. <laughs> Dank Dog IPA from a brewery in Nevada. Oh, it's Look got a cute little dog. dog on it. That's why she chose it, of course. Really well, nice. and so that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so cheers, <laughs> Alyssa. Thank you. Lindsay, what are you having? I'm having America's favorite craft beer for the fourth year in a row. Wow. Oh. Shout out to Bell's Brewery and the Two-Hearted L. Mm, that's a classic. Mm, I yeah, love I can't that go beer. Wrong. American IPA, which I like that they added American IPA. Well, you wouldn't know. Right. <laughs> what kind of what makes it American? It's kind of like <laughs> a New Mexico IPA. Yeah. No we should have got more of those. Yeah, I we say that every single time. I so know. if if you live somewhere where you can get these regularly, don't take it for granted. That's all I have to say about that. Alex, what are you working on? Um, I have a full sale West Coast style IPA, and Full Sail is one of my favorite breweries, so I'm really excited about it. You've Aren't been there, right? Yes. Aren't they um, employee owned? Yes. Yeah. That's or did nice. they change that? No, I think they still are. Okay. I was trying to remember our tour that we did, and I thought that maybe she said that they I think had new ownership. But no, I think they still do like the whole profit sharing and okay, whatever. They're just great. Yes, and it's and a very affordable beer. beer, and it tastes very good. Which, I mean, what else do you need? You don't yeah. find that very often. Highly no. recommend. Yeah. All right, well, today's episode is called The Lavender Queer, and I've broken it into three sections. Um, we're going to be talking about the Hayes Code in 1930s Hollywood and lavender marriages. We're going to briefly talk about the Lavender Scare, which was the moral panic that happened during McCarthyism after World War II. And then uh, we're going to talk about lavender menaces during the second wave of feminism during the women's liberation movement. Lindsay, mm. tell me what you know about the Hayes Code, if anything. So the first time that you mentioned the Hayes Code to me, I thought of like colleges and hazing. Oh, so okay. That's how much I know. Okay. I had to Google it, and then that's when I found out it was part of, like, the whole movie-making industry and, like, what's kosher and not. Yeah, so there's a couple things that led the Motion Picture Association and the former postmaster 
Will Hayes was uh, assigned to this committee and um, the Motion Picture Association wanted to govern themselves basically so that they wouldn't be censored by the government. So they adopted their own code, which he kind of led, that uh, was to... to Wasn't this before, like, movie ratings, too? Yes. Like, this the was, this R was... rating and the... So this was, like, a precursor, sort of, to that. Yeah, it was long before the ratings, actually, and uh, it was inspired... There were a couple things happening, obviously, but there was kind of a moral panic about what people are up to and that people are getting a little bit too sexually liberated after the war and, you know, people were stationed together in cities and experiencing different things. And um, there was a murder, Virginia Rapp, who Fatty Arbuckle got convicted of. And so that this is kind of what the Hayes Code was birthed out of. So Fatty Arbuckle is quite the name. Quite the name. And I feel <laughs> like I should know who that is. He was a big fat man. He was I a big fat he was man. A fat man. Because I don't think his mom named him Fatty. Or did she? No, Fatty in quotations. <laughs> like that. That's what, that was his self adopted <laughs> name. But he was like a movie star. He was a movie star in and like he... the silent film okay. era. And he like raped and murdered this Virginia. Gal. Yes. Okay. And that was part of setting off this whole moral panic about movies and how, and stars publicizing drug use and just getting out of control, basically. So former postmaster Will Hayes and this committee came up with 36 self-imposed don't do's and be careful's, which was later you know, known as the Hayes Code. And this was specifically for actors and actresses. Yes. Well, so directors or it was voluntary for film companies, but theaters and things like if they didn't enforce these, they would be ousted by society. So they said that it was voluntary, but basically if you didn't abide by this code as a director or creator, no one was going to watch your movies. Mm. So what year was this? 1930 is when this began. And during, before that, a lot of people in the film industry, a lot of actors were pretty, I don't know, sexually promiscuous, which isn't the right word, but in, in those days it was probably the right word and yeah yeah (laughs) so it was a little bit loose and it wasn't really anybody's business if you were gay or not but this Hayes code and the moral panic surrounding it sort of created a new standard for acceptable behavior yep exactly and and even actors in their private lives were just constantly being patrolled and the the motion picture companies were patrolling their actors because they didn't want to get pulled under media scrutiny for anything that they were doing. So 
many LGBTQ actors who were formerly just kind of minding their own business, but still working were basically like, you can't work anymore if you're going to be openly gay. So Mm -hmm. they, because gay people of any kind were moral perverts Mm -hmm. and the Hayes code specifically signaled out, you know, specific sex things, any, even like, lustful embraces are mentioned in the code so and this is not just like in a movie it's actors personal lives well it's the Hayes code applies to movies but basically it created this whole culture of everyone what's hyper focusing on what they are doing in and out of the movies like Okay. So the so the motion picture companies and directors and things wouldn't hire actors that were that had a reputation of being of moral perverts. Else. So they would arrange the film companies and agents at the film companies would arrange lavender marriages for stars which were uh they would Oftentimes, both of the partners needed to have something covered up, which is interesting, the man and the woman. Um, And, you know, oftentimes it was just the man. So, like, Rock Hudson ended up... He needed a beard. Yep. Yep. He needed a beard. (laughs) Yep. Is that the slang? That's the slang. The slang. The slang. And... uh, there, there was a threat that he was going to be exposed. Uh, I believe it was Cosmopolitan. I can't remember which magazine it was, but uh, that had a story that was going to expose him. And so immediately he went and got married to, I think it was his press secretary's or his, his uh, press agent's secretary. And uh, Barbara Sta- Stanwyck married Robert Taylor. There were multiple instances of like, queer... Like, oh, I'm not gay. Yep. And suddenly, if they were married, then the, the new partnership would kind of divert speculation or gossip from the media. So it was all just right. a facade. So that brings up a question in my mind a little bit. So paparazzi... Was that a thing back then? Because I would, I feel like if you're doing this marriage as a show, do you still live together? Do people watch you go grocery shopping? Like, right. And I, and they did. A lot of these folks did live together and had, you know, but they were making tons of money and lived in a lot of them, not everyone, but a lot of them had lots of money and lived in these big, huge gated, gave gated areas and invited friends over. And, mm. um, had separate some bedrooms and yeah. big mansions. So maybe those gossipy tabloids were not so much a thing back then. I mean, right? I'm they, like they National were Enquirer, not, like... not as we know them today, but it was, I mean, that was really the whole purpose of it was for, to cover it up to the media. So I'm sure that there were some of that still happening, maybe not to the extent that we know it today. I feel like it could be disproved like pretty easily, but maybe they were just, I don't know. Well, it was, we have to have some sort of evidence 
that's disproving it now because we know the real story. Right. So right. maybe there just wasn't the technology to put it out there or it was so under wraps. Like it was a more superficial. Well, journalism has or like changed. You, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you sure. read yeah. in a magazine that Rock Hudson hangs out with a lot of like beefy men. But then he was spotted on the beach. Right. But then like you read in the newspaper that he got married to this so woman and then, you, and then the you're counterpoint. like, got it. Yeah. Okay. Well he got married and maybe those were just his workout buddies. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. People those get married and that's buddies. a like normal, regular everyday thing. All right. Sorry. I just the thought end. of, no, like, that's a good. And the other thing worth mentioning is that, some of these people, the bottom line was if the studios were going to lose money, that's when they would arrange these partnerships for you because it was all a media scam. They wanted you to be seen by the public eye in a certain way. However, there were other people that were like behind the scenes people like directors or um, costumers and things that were like very the flamboyantly... Yeah. I assume. <laughs> yes, but like the hair and makeup people or some of the directors or some of the costume designers, like they're not the ones bringing in the money to the and movie And they're theater. not in the public eye. No, no one's going to take the a public picture. Eye. Yeah. Right. right, so they're still getting their paychecks and they're not being ousted. But, but the person who's seen as like America's heartthrob, you want every young woman to lust, lust. after Rock mm-hmm. Hudson and not be like, oh, he's gay. Well, that's how you sell movie tickets. Right. You yeah. want Nicholas or how whatever. You sell? That's I mean, how you sell In my experience. You sell movie tickets. <laughs> so the Hayes Code and versions of it basically lasted into 1968 when the... The hippies. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean... Those yeah, damn hippies. Those damn hippies. But at that time is when they started adopting what we know today as movie ratings. And those have obviously shifted as, as things, as time has gone on. But that Hayes code was in effect and like almost 40 years, yeah, almost for 40 years. So, you know, you can't imagine how many people were displaced from their jobs that weren't the big stars like rock Hudson, but the people that were just dismissed because they didn't stand a chance. Well, because they weren't Rock Hudson. Because <laughs> they weren't Rock Hudson. Yeah. It essentially brought to the forefront being gay, and that's unacceptable. Yep. Right? And they and would mock it all the time. The only acceptable way to show that in the movies in Hayes Code times was to just like make it the silliest thing ever, and have like the most. You it know, was sailors. The butt of the joke. Yeah, it was the yeah. butt of the joke, exactly. But it exactly. became like a, like a campaign, right? Whereas before, was it really so much of a campaign to to go after the gays, right? Wasn't it just kind of like you live your life, and if you're not, we don't talk about it. We don't talk about it. It's not necessarily yep. Christian values, but so this was kind of the first time that it became. The public's focus. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because young people like to go watch movies and we worry about the young people people and the influence of bad things. And exactly. And the 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 whole reason that the code was 
created was because they feared censorship from government. So they wanted to create their own self-censorship. Mm. So the next part of this episode is the lavender scare. And I'm not going to go into that very much because we're going to have a whole episode about that at a later date. But the, the basics of that are during the red scare McCarthyism. There was also a lavender scare. Yep. And they, they tied lavenders and, or excuse me, they tied communists and homosexuals very close together very intentionally as a way of propaganda. Just like really. amping up the bad. Exactly, amping up the bad. <laughs> and and the, and it happened, you know, at the same time. These were happening when the list of the list that McCarthy presented to the Senate that had, you know, two hundred and five people on them, two of whom are suspected homosexuals, like and this started a whole panic. And did they use homosexuals back then? They use homophiles. Homophiles. For a while. That's what they used. Yep. That okay. was the accurate word during that time. It's funny. And sexual perverts. Right. So they were all dismissed from their government positions. And it was basically a witch hunt to find anybody that had any kind of and I'm civil sure there was servant really job. No evidence. Nope. No evidence. How do you really. prove that you're not a homosexual? Right. You just like kiss someone of the opposite sex right on the mouth. You're like, see? In front of your boss. Would I do that? It reminds me of, do you guys remember, there was a season of the L Word that all focused on historical depictions of which L queer. Word are we talking about? This is the old. This is the okay. OG L Word. Thank I know you, you haven't you seen it, You know Alex. I've never seen this. You're dismissed from answering this question. <laughs> I know you haven't seen it, Alex, and you get an F in your gay... Wow, in your L word studies class. In your L word studies class. We have we have it on DVD. There was historical L word. Yes, yeah, so season. there was there was a specific season in the L word where the beginning of every episode of that season was like a little clip where it was like a different time. Oh yeah, I do remember. And it what was about. not the characters, but it was something in like gay history. And it was in Texas in, like, the 50s. And there was this gay guy in a bathroom of a gas station. And it was, like, inferred that it was an undercover operation. And the undercover cop or detective was clearly gay and getting a blowjob in a gas station and as soon as the blowjob was over, he's like, oh, you're a, you're a fag. And like immediately, uh, you're busted. Yeah, like yeah. immediately arrest him. After I busted, you're busted. <laughs> right. And, and it was like, clearly he was gay and this was his way of still like being gay in an acceptable way and like doing some moral justice to the world by like, I'm going to arrest all the fags of the world because like it's unacceptable to be gay in Texas anytime, but especially in the 50s. Yeah. And so this was like his way of being gay professionally. Yes. 
and well, to like for him, I mean. and and I'm sure no one no one at like the sheriff's office knew that he was like getting blowjobs, but he's like, oh yeah, I know this guy's a fag, and I, I brought him in. He's he's arrested. And nobody asked a follow up question like, sure, you know? no. how exactly do you know? Yeah, right. But like that, because then he'd have to be like, he's like, well, well, first of all, my wiener, <laughs> right? But like that, that was like, <laughs> just like stood out. Like, I've never forgotten that scene. I was just like, oh, my God, this is, like, the most, like, fucked up, manipulated thing. But And that's a real thing that happened. I'm sure. And there were that, to that point, there were, there's many stories of people horribly driven to suicide because they were ousted from or, or threatened to be ousted from their jobs. And they would they would have these interviews where they would sit people down and just interrogate them for hours and hours and hours. Um, so you you know you say, how do you pretend you're not gay, or how do you how do you how prove do they know how do you prove that you're not gay? And when they interrogate you for hours and hours, and they you know they would sit down and say, we have evidence that you're a homosexual a homophile. What comment do you have to make about that? Right. So anyway, I, I don't want to touch too much on this. Like I said, I, I feel like there's a lot here to dive into. But, witch hunt. Yep. It was a witch hunt of people that worked for the government. And it's at least 10,000 people. At least 10,000 well, people and then that were affected. That's not even that. don't ask, don't tell. Right, which this yeah, is this just went on. This this era? policy went on until 1995, when Bill Clinton enacted "Don't Ask, Don't Tell." So we'll we'll go into that at a later date. Um, the next thing that I want to talk about are the lavender menaces, which happened during the second wave feminist movement, and. This started in 1969. Betty Friedan, who was the leader of National Organization for Women, she also wrote The Feminine Mystique, which is like the most popular white feminist book ever. I, I don't know if anyone here is familiar with I've The Feminine Mystique. I've never read it, but of course we've all heard the, the title. Name. Yeah. You've heard it? No. No. Okay. Sorry. That's okay. I'm, I'm not really record. on the Scratch internet, it. so. Well, that's, I don't know. I feel, I feel like it's um, referenced a lot in movies and TV shows. And it was like a big part, like women's studies. It was a, a cornerstone. Any of feminist in, yeah, class. Any, I also required. didn't go to college, well, so. That's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Anyway, so Betty Friedan warned members of the National Organization for Women, which I will refer to as now, from now on, <laughs> about the lavender menace threatening the women's movement. Friedan thought that lesbians were a credibility threat to the women's movement. Uh, they did not want to align with lesbians at all because they didn't want to be written off as man-haters. I would just like to take a pause and say these are the original TERFs. 
These are yes. the original turfs. <laughs> yes, they are. Yes. And it and you know, the second wave feminism was not intersectional at all. It was very white. It was very straight. It was very women who live on the hill and I'm picturing Stepford their wives. husband's yes. money. Yes. It was it's like very a Stepford, Stepford wives Whitey. organization. Yes. It's almost like a book club gone crazy. It is. Yeah. That's a great a way book to put club it. Who just has a little like more confidence. Than... <laughs> They've had a bottle of wine. So yeah. they're ready to light the world on fire, I guess. Yikes. So, and you know, she, so she warned her organization about these lavender menaces. And in May of 1970, a group of lesbian identified people, including Rita Mae Brown and Carla J, uh, which if our listeners aren't familiar, Rita Mae Brown is uh, an author and Carla J is an activist and have been for a long time. Um, these, this group hijacked a second Congress to unite women's conference in New York city. So the, it was the year prior, the national organization for women now had held their first Congress. And during this second Congress, after Ferdon's comments, the lavender menaces went to this meeting dressed in normal meeting attire, you know, just blended power. Suits. Yep. Yep. Blouses. Power, powerful suits, whatever. I think it was like power dresses. Cause they wanted to blend in. Right? When did the power suit happen? I feel like Hillary there were the nineties. Hillary yeah. Clinton. Yeah. I feel like there, but I feel like lesbians were like kind of starting to wear pants. In the well, 70s pants too. were definitely so, more of a thing, but I'm just like curious. bell bottom, like and pull outfits. This? this is 1970. 70. Yeah. Okay. So, so they're blending maybe. in in their they're blending in in their normal feminist business. They weren't clothes. like I really want to know lumberjack <laughs> plaid. We should look up. Some yeah, outfits. they weren't wearing lumberjack plaid. They weren't. They were. Yeah. They were looking as straight as they could. I guess. I don't. And know. very professional. <laughs> and very professional. And. The meeting's about to kick off, and in a very well-orchestrated co-op, basically, the lights go out, the mics go out, and all these women bust out their home-stenciled Lavender Menace t-shirts and just kind of start yelling things like lesbianism is a women's liberation plot. I'm tired of being in the closet because of the women's movement and basically just hijack this creating a ruckus, create a huge ruckus, like a protest. Like it was like, yeah, a it was protest. a protest to them being excluded from the women's movement. So the menace, the menaces storm the stage and demand that, the National Organization for Women abandon the weekend's schedule. This is a whole summit. It's like a two, three-day event. CPAC. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's a Why whole do we thing. Why talk about CPAC? <laughs> well, it's, that's... <laughs> Sorry. Is that the best you can do? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Talking about real life here, people. 
So they they demand that now starts to focus on lesbianism right now, not later. Like we're we're taking over. We're here. We're here. We're, we're queer. queer. We're drinking beer. <laughs> They weren't, but they were. They were there. I, were I bet some of them pre-gamed. I bet they did. I would if they I was going to do. Game for sure. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yes, they did. So, these menaces passed out the pamphlet called "Women Identified Women," which was a lesbian manifesto, and they. Well, it was. It was radical, it was like I suppose. It was anti-Turfy at the time. The lesbians it was. The lesbians out. passed out the pamphlet. Women identified women. And right. It's kind of like the women born women. It's still yeah, a little it, turfy. It, it, it's yeah. it's gatekeepy for sure. That's so all I turfy, mean. yeah. Okay. But it's a step in the right direction because no one in the queer somewhere. umbrella was accepted. So, like, they had to start with the lesbians, so hopefully some of the other identities could fall behind. We're women. Yeah. We're we're (laughs) women who want other women, but we're not... But we also want women's rights, and we also want to be recognized as equals. We can't all be Mulan. (laughs) We can't all be Mulan. Mulan who? So... (laughs) As you can imagine, the now leaders attempted to regain control of the meeting, but were unsuccessful. I'm sure there were, like, papers flying in the air, like... Yep. And when the lights and the mics came back on, there were new people in charge of the lights and the mics, and they weren't given... Oh, shit. They had a They weren't given space. Yes, it was very well organized. Were there weapons involved? No, there were no weapons involved. There was, just it was a not violent. Lesbian. <laughs> just a strong lesbian. <laughs> they just flexed at him. They're like, They're how like, about these guns? Yeah, why don't you try to plug this mic back in and see what happens? <laughs> I'm here, and I'm queer. So the menaces held the stage for two hours or more, and although, you know, they lost some people, some women were like, oh, this is unacceptable. These lesbians, and got up and left the meeting. But the most of them stayed, and a consciousness-raising session ensued, and it was actually a really positive thing. They reworked the whole weekend's agenda for the whole CPAC. (laughs) God damn it. God damn it. And reprogrammed the whole weekend with workshops on lesbianism and understanding our lesbian sisters. Wow. So it wasn't like call the police. No. Wow. They they took control and they, they let it happen. <laughs> and <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'm just kidding. That's really interesting though. Like that it wasn't immediately seen as uh like the super hostile like right, criminal thing. Or something. Because if that happened today, where there's a conference and somebody, like, kind of sabotaged. Disrupted it. Disrupted. It would be, you're immediately taken to jail. Like. Right. And like I said, it was not violent. And then they would be rescued by. Yes. Yeah, that's so true. I have two questions. Okay. Shoot. Do you know where this occurred? It was in New York City at. 
hotel? Somewhere in Chelsea, yeah. Like, somewhere in the Chelsea district. But, yes, it was at a hotel. Okay. I believe. Or a school. It was a school. A school? Yeah. See, there's nobody there. It was a school. Yeah. No one's there. No one's there. There's no, like... Call on the front desk. There's no security. There's no security. No, there there was no, but, and like, they weren't violent. They were right. just like protesting, which is a legal right to protest. We all. So they had an have. agenda. Second question. <laughs> they had like an agenda that they wanted. So they had like material. Yes. And that's They're what's like, so great about th- that. We're prepared. In my opinion is why they were able to successfully pull it off. But the yeah. thing is, is this, this particular moment shaped feminist politics for years to come because they, after the weekend of workshops, they presented a resolution to the leadership board of now. And the next year in 1971 now passed a resolution to recognize the oppression of lesbians as a legitimate concern of feminism. 1971. Which, yes. Which drastically changed their relations and really, yeah, the whole feminist That's political really movement. That's really interesting. So I have a question. Okay. Was Lavender Menace, was that a name that they gave themselves? Yes. And it's because of her comments in, uh, you know, in the year prior, warning was, the members of the or- Betty for Dawn. That was her warning. Words. Yes, which her words, I'm sure, came from somewhere we've ex- we've experienced today. Right. That the lavender, lavender being associated was already with queer associated. goes back a long way, and I'm curious lavender to know. Vinyl. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious to know though. Toasted lavender. <laughs> what. Lavender How much kitchen? further back it goes. Like, like where I would did love to... lavender intersect with homophiles? Yes. So, obviously, if you, you know, in however far back, and I don't have the color pattern history in front of me, but like, boys are blue and girls are pink, and that's been a thing probably whenever toys I... started being made. I mean, yeah, I have read that that used to be reversed oh that's interesting i think part of the understanding of lavender is the you know you think of the traditional baby pink and baby blue and if you blend the hues together okay you kind of get lavender. part of the bisexual pride flag it is yeah it is the middle stripe is the hues Mm -hmm. yeah blended together so Interesting. I would be interested to hear from any of our listeners if people know further back. I tried to look into it a little bit, um, and it seems like there was associations all the way back to, like, Abraham Lincoln time. So, um, that, you know... What time is that? 1860s? Yeah. Sounds right. So I I don't have any of the research or proof of any of that, but I would love to hear if anybody does. All right. So this is going to wrap us up for today, talking about the Lavender and Queer Associations. I want a Lavender Menace t-shirt. I want a Lavender Menace t-shirt too. Should we make those available? I think we should make those available. I think we should. And I think that we should do them really. Do you think they're like copyrighted at this point? Hell no. I don't think they are. I don't think they are. Hell no. 
Sorry. Yeah. I, <laughs> I love how outraged you were. We should tie-dye some shirts. We should. Oh, with different, like, shades of purple? Yes. And, they, and do it just like they did. Oh, my God. super homemade. You know what we should do? Oh, we geez. should do tie-dye of each color. And then we put on it what it what it is. So like the hot pink says sex. Oh my sex. god, Lisa! <laughs> the orange says healing. The green says nature. And you the turquoise says magic. Stop the recording so that we can do this before other people. Editing do it. is magic. We're gonna okay. do it. I would love to. These be a part will be of this. available on our Patreon. Oh man, handmade by us. Hand dyed by. Ooh. I've never. That's the fifty dollar a month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's this great. This is such a great idea. It's a great idea. Do you, have you ever? Do you have experience? Um, tie like tie dyeing multiple Absolutely. colors, so that you can Absolutely. have like a whole rainbow of yeah. colors. Yeah. Oh yeah. Don't you? Oh use yeah. Pennies oh, and rubber bands. Rubber bands. Yeah, it's all I about the rubber bands. I would love to learn how to do this. I I think we're having a tie dye date in the near future. Oh my God. Maybe we'll do a, a video of us doing it, and that could be on our Patreon too. Um, yes. Queer culture is tie dyeing our own shirts. I, for those of you that don't know, I've said before I'm a record guy. Um, I am one of the partners of Lavender Vinyl on Twenty Fifth Street here in Ogden, and I get asked all the time, like, why is our business named Lavender. Like, where does that come from? Every interview that I've ever done, people ask ask that. Mm. And I've said various things in the past. I've always known what it meant to me, but I haven't always been as open about it, as forthright, I guess. Not that it was a secret, but just like, there's a lot of things about Lavender that are appealing to me. But clearly it's a very queer, I mean, that's the name of our podcast, Toasted Lavender. It's a very, like, queer symbol and one that's always resonated with me and I want it to be forthright in everything that I do, but it's a little queer. So. Have you ever toasted lavender? Um, I have not. So maybe we should do that. We baked with it all the time. Yeah, we, we had a bakery called Lavender Kitchen, and we baked with it pretty frequently. And the stuff, yeah, the stuff we baked with lavender was. I definitely remember those our... scones. There was some oh, the lemon scones. lavender scones. Oh my god, they had, a, they had a following. Wants. They have a following, so but it was really interesting because we had so we opened the record shop first, Lavender Vinyl, and then we started our bakery, Lavender Kitchen. We had so many people who thought every single thing we baked had lavender in it. That we were exclusively a lavender kitchen. <laughs> that would be what a weird thing. That to we do. were it's so sense. weird that people we would assume that. I like. That. I got to the point where at farmers markets, I, if somebody would ask me that question, I would just like. Mm. We have You're one like, thing. No, it's the right stone. for real. It's like I am so sick of and. It was always a certain age group asking about that. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yep, for sure. (laughs) But in what on what planet would that make sense? That everything is infused, and then people would be like, "I don't like lavender. It tastes like so." Lucky you. We got plenty of things. We got lots of options. Chocolate (laughs) cake and yeah, whatever. It was. It was a. It was interesting though, because I. 
and I was, I would always think if our business was called the peach kitchen or would people assume chocolate that we kitchen, had or like, the time kitchen, like T H Y. Right. Would you think it was like, if we were called the chocolate kitchen, would you think every single thing we had had or chocolate? Or that restaurant that was called blue lemon. Right. Oh, Do you think blue everything? and everything has lemons? Right. Like, it's just like, or be... the Olive Garden. Do you right. think every dish has olives? <laughs> I just like was so baffled by There's that. There's going to be like, at least one person that listens to this and goes, I'm an asshole. Yeah. Sorry, well, I hope you feel that way. <laughs> oh, because I'm trying to be I'm... all nice. And you're like, I hope you feel like a fucking asshole. Well, I got really sick of answering that question. I and did too. it's like, if you took 30 seconds to just like look at all of the names of our items, you would see that we have peanut butter cups we have yeah like well, blueberry muffins we have apple cinnamon cups. Oh my muffins God. like and also lavender is a color it's right. not right just a also lavender yes. is a queer symbol okay okay <laughs> clearly listen to this episode from the beginning and you'll know i know your queer history god Brenna. oh my god i have to say when we very first met and you talked about like or maybe you didn't, and I just found out, but that your record store was going to be lavender vinyl, I did not understand. You were like, what are like, these weirdos the doing? Did you think it was related to the color lavender or the plant? No, because I saw like the logo, and I was like, this is... People, I mean, I don't know. I don't get it. Don't That's know. fine. I'm glad you're being honest with us, that you thought we were a bunch of fucking weirdos. <laughs> I just didn't understand yeah on that note we're gonna just skip right over do you have anything to, else to say about no nope, your... i have concluded although i'm this is my teaser that i am going to be taking a deep dive into the lavender scare and the moral panic that that was a part of at a later date you're a communist and probably gay yep do you do you Guilty. have any other name drops of who were part of Lavender Marriages? Because I know a bunch. Janet we, Gaynor and Adrian Adolph Greenberg. The mommy dearest lady. I can't even think of her name. Joan Crawford. Yes, yes, Joan Crawford was rumored to have been in a lavender marriage. There's another really prominent actress. She's a frigid bitch, so that makes sense. Yeah, she was a frigid bitch. No wire hangers! <laughs> oh my god, that fucking movie. Also, um, supposedly Judy Garland's husband, Vincent Minnelli, who... Liza Minnelli was a product oh. of Vincent Minnelli was supposedly like living in New York City as a gay man before Vincent he ever married. It's a great gay man name. It is. Vincent is you, like Vincent. the pinnacle gay yeah. man name, in my opinion. But well, his mom set him up for that. That's fine. Can I say the one person who I was thinking of? Yes. Greta Garbo. Oh. She had a lavender marriage. I feel like because she, I, I don't know. I don't have, I, she was definitely like queer in some way, Greta Garbo and also Marlene Dietrich, but I don't feel like either of them were quite pressured in to marriages because of their Europeanness. but I could be wrong. But I think that because they could like 
go back to Europe. They I'm went. Sorry, who's Greta Garbo? Greta Garbo was a super actress? famous actress. I, I gathered on a famous. Song. Yeah, I gathered Greta Garbo famously something Monroe, Dietrich and Marlene Dietrich. Something, something. That's a what Donna Sumner. That's a Donna Summer song or a Madonna. That's a Madonna song. Oh, I thought that's that's she what it sounded Madonna, like. Has, I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm on the cover of a magazine. Yes, yes. yes. it's yeah. in Vogue. It's yes. in the song oh, Vogue, which yeah, yeah. is clearly we could talk about that whole fucking mm. thing. Alex, so, I, I feel a, I feel a tingle for you. Yes, I already the have, voguing. I think I have another. Are you voguing? You have another topic. Okay. We need to do a Vogue episode. We will. So Greta Garbo was an actress from Sweden. She was born in 1905, but her big time frame as an actress was in the 20s, 30s, and 40s. And she came to the U.S. and was like a really prominent actress. And had pretty sus relationships with women is there a reference that would adjacent to her that i would know like a movie how familiar are you with movies from the 30s (laughs) (laughs) go ahead and test my knowledge I wanted you to bounce the cat. So she never married. So oh. so Greta was. I didn't know what. Greta. <laughs> Gre- oh my. <laughs> well. So Greta Garbo, she never had any kids. She was never married. Um, her fo- her most famous romance was with John Gilbert, who was a very prominent actor. But that was. Sort of seen as a cover up for her. Queerness. Are are male beards called beards? Or is that just the woman? I think that's usually just the woman. It's just a woman. So what is the... What's the equivalent? So Garbo was bisexual. Like, she came out as being bisexual, and she, in quotations, predominantly lesbian, in 1927. She had an affair with Lillian Tashman, who was a writer and fi- silent film star Louise Brooks that year after. Is that like a fag hag? No. Sorry. Well, yeah, I think a beard of. and a fag Why hag. Are no, 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 no. You're no, right. No, That's no. not the right thing. So there's some connection quotes. I made in no. my tiny peanut brain. Okay, your tiny peanut brain. <laughs> Needs more beer. Has some wires crossed because a quote fag hag is a cishet gal who hangs out who with hangs out with many gay guys. But right. isn't that no? Sorry, a beard is like the purported love interest of a gay man who's a woman. So it's as kind of the same up. thing as a cover. No, it's not a cup. I mean, it's not the same because it, a fag hag is like just around this multiple. Gal that has a lot of gay guy friends, or like a fruit fly. 
Yeah, mm. same ha- fag hag fruit fly. Better, same. It's the same. Yeah. It's like a more PC version of well, fag hag. Yeah, I, I sorry, don't like to say I fag hag, but grew up in the nineties, and that was no. It's a how dare common you. term. Yeah, fruit fly is better. Yeah. From now on, we will say fruit fly. Honey, do you lavender. have like a a last statement about the lavender queer like topic? Twenty twenty one, and we. It's 2021, and I'm happy that I'm happy to have discovered all the queer, some queer things about lavender. I don't know. I got nothing. Okay. (laughs) Well, it's a part of your history because we've been using the term lavender for our businesses for the past five years. Yeah. Well, and it's been, it's been a long standing thing for me. It's always been like a symbol of serenity and like safety for me. So, so you would choose serenity. God, I would choose serenity. God, I would always choose serenity. Yes. (laughs) We were ready to drop serenity last week. So, all right. So we're moving on to the boo and the who of the week, which I believe is the same story. And the boo, there's a boo and a who and and a who in one story. Yes, it's really interesting. So, from the Washington Post, which is where I'm getting my information. Credible source. Pretty credible, I would say. Unless you ask Donald Trump. Well, right, this is a Bezos joint. Uh, the who of the week is 18-year-old Bryce Dersham in New Shout Jersey. Bryce. Hey, Bryce. Bryce was giving a valedictorian speech and started talking at his high school at his high school during the graduation and started talking about, um, coming out as a queer person and feeling alone and et cetera. Like just talking, struggling with life as a saying like, I'm a queer person Mm -hmm. and here I am the valedictorian graduating high school. And his microphone cut out, Mm. and here enters the boo of the week. The principal comes out and takes his speech, like the paper, and gives him a different paper and says, you have to read this. Mm. Fuck that guy. In front of everybody, too. Like, he must look like such a damn fool. Who's that guy? Uh... Principal. You know, it's interesting because it doesn't say the principal's name. Of course it doesn't. Are they protecting him? Mm, well, they said Bryce Dersham's name, so I, I don't know. I feel like the principal's got to be listed. I don't know. Uh, at this time, I'm not sure, but the high school is Eastern Regional High School. Google it. Google. Let's call out this motherfucker. Yeah. Who's the principal? <laughs> yeah, so... Our boo of the week, principal of Eastern Regional High School, snatches the speech from Bryce. Speech snatcher. Yes. Speech snatcher. Says, you're going to say these words on this new paper. And Bryce, like the badass that he is, recites his speech from memory. Robert M. Toll. Fuck you. God, of is course the, his name's a fucking is Robert the M. Toll. All right. Fuck you, Robert, forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Bryce just goes ahead with his speech from memory, 
it becomes a bit viral and go Bryce man we're just all really pumped for Bryce so the thing that surprised me the most when I was reading this because Lindsay initially sent this boohoo combo earlier this week I was like oh my god like they were just like ready to shut off the mics and had a replacement speech ready but what like was so shocking to me in this story is that you have to approve your graduation speech beforehand. Yes. And they were like pissed about his speech the whole time and made him work with the English teacher yes. to rework to it. Rework over it. And, over and, and he yes. agreed and reworked it over and over. And then they still weren't happy and were like, you can't give this speech. And he's like, well, then I can't feel authentic in giving this speech if I can't tell my story. Like, but we have to have the valedictorian give the speech. Right. And he, and the whole thing that pissed me off was that they said, we never told him he couldn't share his identity. So then it's like, what part of the speech were you pissed about? Yeah, for real. Apparently. Explicit. Um, Mr. Toll, the boo had read Mr. Dersham's speech before the ceremony and wanted Mr. Dersham to deliver the version that the school administration had approved. The principal and Mr. Dersham had been debating the contents of the speech for weeks, according to Mr. Dersham. The student sent the principal three drafts because Mr. Toll said his speech was not broad enough for his 500 fellow seniors. Wow. So that was the reason. Sounds like a mask of bullshit. Yes. I liked the little part in the, and we'll link the whole article in our show notes, but I really liked the part where there was a teacher at the school who had, because a big part of the speech was about the depression he also faced during COVID, because his senior year was during COVID, but there was a teacher from his school who had lost a child to suicide. Was it a teacher? Because I read it, it was, was just like a member of the audience. I don't no, remember. It, it was, was a, a teacher. teacher yeah. Okay. And how she came up to him after and said, thank you so much for your speech and addressing your depression and your struggle. I wish my child would have been here to hear your speech, but I'm glad you're still here. Kind of a sort of a thing. And Ooh, he said, heavy. if if this speech impacted one person positively then I feel like I did the right thing in giving my version of the speech yep well good news for Bryce is that his speech and the fact that he was accosted by his principal has impacted many people he was on good morning America yeah hopefully there are like Someone give that children. kid a full ride scholarship. Someone's yeah. gonna give that Someone kid. Someone is. He's yeah. he's a valley Victorian. I'm sure he already has one, but something. Good give for him for standing up. Give him an extra up. slap on the back. Good um, old Bryce. Will someone buy Bryce a sandwich? I would. Yeah, we would. Just buy him a sandwich. Bryce's lunch fund. Mm-hmm. Oh, Wonderful. that's cute. All right, we could do that. Bryce's lunch. Someone fund. can, yeah. He's a really cute young man, too. There was a picture of him. Yes. But he was... You have to be cute. (laughs) He's a cute young man. Well, I'm not trying to sound like a creep. Like, I'm, like, hitting on him. But, like, good for you. And he he also gave his speech with a rainbow flag around his shoulders. He had the pride flag kind of 
draped motif going on. Yes. Right. And he did wear the flag draped. And on his graduation cap, did you see he had that the Black Lives the Matter fist? fist. The, yes. The and the fist, trans flag. The trans flag and the rainbow flag. So he's woke. Fully he's woke. He's woke. He's like representing and he is I just feel proud he's of him. Who. I don't even know this kid he's and I feel who. proud of him. He's the, the who. super who. Super who of the week. Yeah. And super boo of the week is Robert Toll. Toll. Yeah, fuck Robert that guy. and Toll. Principal behaved. Yeah. Well, it's Let's... already impacted him forever, so. Yes. Yeah, Suck it. It's Principal on the internet. Toll. It's not going away. Suck it. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Patreon. Probably Instagram. Instagram. Do we have a Facebook? Fuck Facebook. that. No, we're not on Facebook. <laughs> Absolutely not. Please give us a few more episodes before you write a review because we're new at this. Yeah. Music by Cop Kid. And Art logo by, by Dev. Dev. Hey, what Debbie. A cutie. Has Dev ever thought about tattooing? Just saying. Debbie should tattoo. She hey, would Debbie. be such a good tattoo, tattoo artist. We're suggesting Hate you to break a it. <laughs> I just like it. She yeah. would be a really she good tattoo artist. Subscribe. Fan, I would like fan mail. I would love fan mail. <laughs> oh, we we'll have an email. We do. Toast with Lavender Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Drop us a line. Please send us stuff. Nothing goes to that email account right um, now. So. I would love to do a like listener episode. Yes. Best yeah. Of. If you have a if question, have a question or comment. A comment or a story idea. I or... would love to know if anyone has like a queer lavender tattoo. If you have a tattoo Ooh. that's specifically from a queer reference, send us your send us an email or send DM us, us on Instagram. We want to see a picture. We want to know we your see story. Pictures of your body. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, Alex. We're Alex gonna does. go ahead and shut it down. I understand this. <laughs> do you want to joke for us? No. My sister taught Alex how to duggy. What drunk were you? Very. The only what? time I do it is when I'm drunk. When, when did my, this happen? Was it my thirtieth? We're gonna we keep feeding Alex Spears. Hotel. Yeah. When we were at the yeah. hotel, can we you, Jasmine? Do you want to do a little demo? I couldn't even tell you. How we'll to give do her it. six. This more is the million yeah. dollar Patreon subscriber. <laughs> <laughs> I actually. I only take fifty bucks. Wow, wow. fifty bucks! You're selling yourself She's cheap. Honey, uh, okay, sixty dollars. <laughs> <laughs>